Hello, and welcome to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. So we'd like to welcome everyone to the uh, Mornings with Joel podcast. We're certainly happy to have you here today. And uh, today we're going to be talking about opportunities in commercial real estate and how do you really get started? You know, that's one of the things that a lot of people want to know about. Uh, they want to really get into this business and figure out how to make it happen. And, you know, they look at the, the big buildings and the skyscrapers and they're like, you know, I don't have $50 million to put down on the property. So how am I going to do this? And uh, our good friend, Willie Acree, has uh, agreed to come in today. We've been working together for some time. He has uh, put together a masterful strategy that's uh, really been working, especially in areas where properties are uh, defaulted and uh, are not generating revenue. There's been a model to, uh, to turn those around, and it's uh, been very exciting. So we're going to welcome Willie Acree uh, to the meeting today and the uh, podcast, and, and we're certainly happy to have him. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we get started, as always, uh, this is an open discussion. This isn't just sit back and listen and feed off the information and then hang up. Uh, we really wanted to open this up and make this a, a conversational podcast, similar to what we did with our radio show back in the day, where um, you can ask your questions, you can be involved in the dialogue and participate in the conversation. So uh, if you have any questions, um, there should be an opportunity for you to raise your hand on the uh, side of the screen where the participants are. And uh, we'll be happy to take your comment and or question at that particular point in time. So, uh, Willie, thanks again for coming on today and happy to have you this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Again, I'm um, I'm new to the whole Zoom thing. So, yeah, just bear with me and um, hopefully we can get through this. All right. Well, hopefully, like the commercial, you didn't come on with your underwear. So, uh, at least you're <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> No, no, I did put some clothes on today. <laughs> yeah, so good stuff, good stuff. So, so Willie, I just wanted to talk a little bit about this. Uh, you know, we, we have one particular client that uh, we've been working with over the last few years. And uh, if you look back from the day we got started, when we first started talking and, uh, you know, we did our first deal all the way up to now, which has been multiple deals later, it, you, you got to just be impressed with what's been accomplished with the ability to build this portfolio of uh, office buildings, of uh, multifamily properties, single family. I mean, it's, it's been pretty impressive. Uh, you know, what are your initial thoughts on that as to how far we've come with this? Yeah. Uh, you know, that client um, is, it's been one of the greatest success stories that I've had as a professional. You know, I always knew that, you know, if you put your mind to it and uh, you have the right direction, you can go far in, in commercial real estate. It's never easy. Um, there's a lot of downsides to it, but, you know, the, the upside is is definitely a lot better. So I remember the first conversation, and this has probably been maybe 13 years ago, I want to say. 13 years ago of, hey, you know, somebody called me up and said, hey, I want to buy the whole world. <laughs> I'm here for you. <laughs> Let me help you. Um, and it's, been a, it's been an experience, a learning experience on both sides for us, from going from a single family to multifamily. And now what we do right now is strictly um, office 
it's, it's been a dream, really. Um, and I've been able to take a lot of these uh, lessons and turn them over to other clients, too, and to help them get to this point. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Before I get a little bit too far into the discussion, uh, give us a little bit about your background and who you're with and all of that. I, I failed to do that introduction at the beginning. So uh, fill us in, Willie, as to who we're, who we're listening to today. Okay. Uh, Willie Acre. I am currently a, an agent with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. I'm on the commercial side. Uh, I've probably been in commercial real estate now 15 years and real estate itself probably all my adult life. My mom started me in real estate when I was young. She used to buy homes. It's funny, I we, we probably lived in like 15 homes when I was young. And I used to ask my mom, you know, well, what's going on? Do you not have the money to pay the mortgage? And I didn't realize she was buying them. We were staying them for six, seven months and then she would sell it and then make more money and buy another one. So it's in my blood. I've been doing it all my life. And again, uh, on the commercial side, probably about 15 years now. I also have a uh, bachelor's degree in real estate. You know, education I'm working on now in real estate. So it's what I do. It's what I've been doing all my adult life. So I love it. All right. Fantastic. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that. If we look at uh, people getting started, you know, there's a, a lot of ads on TV and TV shows and everything else about single family real estate and flipping properties and, and doing that. And this discussion is not so much about that, but how would you say a person should go about transitioning from the world of single family fix and flips uh, into um, the world of commercial if they choose to make that transition? How would you how would you say that should be done? The, the key to commercial real estate is the education of it and understanding what exactly going on. Dirt will always be dirt. So there's there's a foundation there of of you know it's a building or of a house it's all the same thing, but you know learning the lingo of commercial real estate, learning what's going on, and learning what buyers and sellers are looking for when it's when concerning commercial real estate. I would pick up a couple books, try to get a maybe a CCIM destination or something that deals with commercial real estate if you want to get started in it. Um, you have to learn how to speak the language of of the, of the buyers and sellers, and and reason being is a lot of times when you're talking about four, five, six million dollar properties, you're not you know you're, you're speaking to someone that understands it. So if you go up to that uh, buyer or seller and they they feel that you don't know the language or don't know the you don't have the education, they're gonna stop working with you immediately. So. I always tried to, to find the information and know exactly what my buyer and seller, the information that they needed. I always tried to make sure I knew that before they asked that information. That's the thing that I would tell anyone. If you want to transition over, it's not the easiest transition to make, uh, especially in Atlanta, because <clears throat> the competition is out there. But educate yourself. Just read up on it. I, I used to read up on commercial real estate every single day, at least two hours a day trying to figure out what was going on in the market, who was who was making moves. And then call someone. You know, if you see them on CoStar, LoopNet, you see an agent, you keep seeing their name pop up. Or, you know, like I used to do is go down the street and see who signs I saw. If I keep seeing the same guy sign on the same street, I called them and say, hey, you know, what are you doing to get, you know, these listings and, and what are you doing to, you know, be more successful? So it's educating yourself is the key to doing this. 
Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That's very true. You know, you definitely have to understand that. And let's dive a little bit deeper into that. Talk to me about the change of mindset. You know, we we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, we have some new folks on on this week uh, that weren't here last week. But uh, as it relates to the change of mindset, you know, when you look at a residential piece of property, you're looking at it and saying, okay, well, there's comparable sales in the area. But let's talk about um, a little bit about how real estate is valued on the commercial side as opposed to the residential side. So there's several ways that real estate can be valued on the commercial side, and it really depends on the uh, buyer themselves. Uh, you have basically two types of buyers, a buyer that's going to buy a property and they're going to run their business out of it. And then you have a buyer that's going to buy a property for the investment of it, the income off of it. And in commercial real estate, the number one income is rent. There's several other different rents. I mean, types of incomes you can have, but the number one income is rent. So you're looking at how much rent is this property producing? And then you're also looking at the expenses on the property. And you use that to determine a value or you use that to determine a rate of return that an investor like yourself will be willing to pay for a property. So if you had a property that, you know, let's say, for instance, it makes $100,000 after all the expenses are paid each, each year, you can attach a rate of return to that, to that $100,000 and come up with the price of that property. Um, so rent rolls are very important when you're looking at property for investment. On, on the operator side, it's really about your business itself. Can your business afford to buy a property? If you're small, like a restaurant, and you want to buy you know, a building for your restaurant, you know, you're looking for the area and you're looking at what type of money that property can produce for your business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, were you going to add more or did I cut you off? No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just giving the two main examples of why, I mean, you know, two type of people that will look for investment property. Yeah. Commercial right. property, I'm sorry. Right, right. So, yeah, so one of the biggest things that, that I find often is that uh, people don't look at it from a cash flow perspective. They look at it from a, a comp perspective. And while comps are important, it's really the cash flow of the property that determines the value of the property. So that, that's often overlooked when it comes down to uh, commercial real estate as it compares to residential real estate. And uh, many people miss that, miss that transition. So let, let's talk about this, uh, this situation of, of our um, mutual clients. She's not on the line. I'm not going to use her name, but if I can hold it in. <laughs> you know, she started off with a single family. I think she purchased about, what, 10 properties, probably and was renting those out and decided to, uh, to take that jump. Let's talk about the, the first property that uh, she acquired and, and how that jump actually took place. Um, you were intimately involved in it, so kind of walk us through that if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, so like I said, she 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 was in uh, residential at first, and she was just buying them. She bought a couple to flip, and then she bought a good bit of them to rent out. And she was making you know decent money, but she wanted to take it to the next level. And I think the first technically commercial property she brought was a multifamily. And we ended up just kind of finding a deal in the area. Um, the, I mean, the, the the building itself was halfway to the ground, but it had a lot of potential and it was definitely in a growing area. Location is always key with commercial and what can happen in that location. And I, I stress location, but it's not necessarily just a location 
is what could be what that property could be used in that location is a very important thing. And so she found a property that was in a location that we saw expansion in in the area, and she ended up buying it. it was a, it was her first deal with the, with this type of property. She ended up buying it and she renovated the entire property, and now it is uh, leased up. And because of some arrangements we have with the VA, we keep it leased up 100%. And so after we got that one going, which took us probably about eight or nine months, she was able to refinance, pull the money out, and then we went looking for another property. We didn't find any more multifamily that kind of met the requirements that we were looking for. So we just happened to come across this uh, commercial building that uh, I think it had one tenant in it and it was in a good area, but I mean, the whole building was, I mean, it, it needed complete renovations. And we, we said, okay, we're going to try this. We're going to try to put this thing back together and see what we can come up with. And we originally had several ideas. One idea was we we're going to turn it into more of an apartment complex. Another idea was we were going to take each unit, subdivide each unit out and sell each one of them to small business owners uh, and then we didn't end up do, doing nothing that we just end up just renting them out as office spaces. So, so just to uh, give you a, a little bit more granularity as to what uh, Willie is talking about, we had a uh, the situation. The first deal that we were talking about there was actually uh, in the Decatur area, which um, you know Decatur is actually growing like crazy right now, and so that became a um, a key area. When you talk about location, it's always important. There was a lot of development that was going on down the street. And so this was actually a block of triplexes and duplexes uh, that she went in to acquire uh, in the Decatur area. So uh, when you look at that, as, as you think about your transitioning from single family, she in this particular situation was stepping up to duplexes and triplexes and uh, acquired a, a block of, um, I think it was a total of 13 units, if I remember correctly, Willie? 14, 14 units. 14 units, okay. 14 units. And uh, renovated those out, got them rented out, uh, and been able to to keep it up because of, as you mentioned, the opportunity with the VA. So that was kind of a, a first step. And um, do you remember what the, the basis was on that? Uh, what what price we went in? I, I want to say we we went in around three twenty five. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Somewhere in that range. So yeah. So, guys, you can see that these were not massive, multi-multi-million dollar deals. They were smaller deals. Uh, in this particular case, to uh, answer the question of one of our guests that's on the line right now, I think and Jerry is still here. She was asking about blanket loans. We basically did a blanket on, on that particular property um, where we were able to bundle all of them together. So that was a, a transition from single family now to duplexes and triplexes. Now, there was a, um, a question that came in uh, from Deneen. Let's uh, go ahead and, and answer that one quite quick. Actually, Deneen, do you mind um, uh, unmuting yourself and just asking your question directly so we can address yeah. it? Yeah. So just to just to get an understanding for because there are some people I think that may have not been on. What was Willie's role in the transaction? And then what was yours in the transaction? OK, fantastic. Willie, you want to answer that? Yeah, so I'm I'm a real estate uh, agent, a broker, and my role is really finding the client, uh, the properties, and helping them going through the process of acquiring the the, the property itself. I kind of see myself as a kind of like an account manager, and I have an account with someone, and because I help them really 
through the entire process. So even after they buy it, you know, I may give them advice on what they need to do with it and help them give them, get them to a point where either they're going to refinance it or sell the property. So we stay with them through, during the entire process. And um, Joel, as you guys know, does all the funding. So I don't get involved with the finance part of it, but I just help them out to find it and walk them through the process. And then you, you, so you went ahead and referred these folks to Joel for the financing or? Yes. So normally what happens is someone does come to me and say, hey, I'm looking to get an int- a commercial property. I try to ask them some questions just to get a feel of where their experience level is at. And then I will only pass them along to Joel, depending on the type of property that they're looking for or the type of financing that they're looking for. I mean, did I actually, I don't want to speak for you. Did that answer your, your question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, basically for those folks that aren't on and don't know your perspective, your respective roles, I figured I'd just go on and ask so that can be clarified. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. We appreciate that. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, as was mentioned by, um, by Willie, we generally handle the, the financing on these deals. And because Willie and I have been working together for some time now, uh, I decided to bring him on and, and let him elaborate on that. I will say this, Willie does a whole lot more, and he's being very humble <laughs> right now, but we'll get into that in a minute, because I want to talk about his uh, actual role and his more, more so his activity as an asset manager more than anything else, and, uh, and providing leasing services and all of that, so we'll dive into that a little bit more in a minute. So let, let's continue the, the journey here, because uh, one thing that I've found is a lot of the, the ones on the call, they want to know okay, well, how do I go from here to there? You know, it's easy to look at someone who has bought, you know, the Bank of America Tower downtown and it's like, wow, that's great. But how did you get from point A to point B? And often that's the part where it gets real muddy and people don't understand how that takes place. So in this particular case, um, you know, Willie, we we talked about the triplex, the duplex, that that portfolio of 14 units, uh, which answered uh, Denisha's question that she had. And then we went to, uh, I believe the property on Roosevelt, was that the next one? Roosevelt, yes. Roosevelt was the next one, yes. Okay, all right. You want to tell a story about that one? Or let me let me give a little background on it first, and then we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. So this, this particular property uh, was kind of interesting because the property had gone back in foreclosure in an area where nothing was really happening, and it actually sold to the person who bought it. The person who bought it uh, bought it through a tax sale. And if I remember correctly, they paid something like 14 grand or something. It was just unreal uh, what they wound up paying for that property. But the parking lot was tore up. The, the roof needed to be replaced. The units, some of them had some leaks in them. It was kind of one of those things where you drive by on the road and you're like, I don't know why anybody would buy that, right? But here's the, I don't want to say the word magic, but, but what had happened, which was so unique in this particular situation, uh, she went in and wound up picking up this particular property. It was about 140 grand. Uh, that she paid for it, and it was pretty much an empty shell or maybe one tenant in there at that time. How did that transition to a profitable piece of real estate that actually, even to this day, is still doing real well? Well, one of the things we we do or I do as an agent for anyone is when they're looking at a deal, I look at how can this property make money? And we came up with an idea of renting these spaces out to uh, actually cutting the spaces down to smaller spaces 
And we target people who are, you know, maybe have a business in their home and looking to get out their home and get into some type of commercial setting. So we took this building and like you said, off our, we bought it from the company that had it in a tax lien. They just wanted to dump the thing. They didn't think it was worth any money. They were actually in New York. So they didn't know anything about, uh, the, I don't think they ever saw the property. I, I knew the uh, agent that was on the other deal. And so he brought it to me and said, you know, if someone does something with this, this could be something. So we we came in, we purchased the property. I think we put about 175000 in it in repairs. And like you said, we had to redo the uh, asphalt. Uh, the roof was leaking, had trees everywhere. I mean, we, we had trees growing inside the building. Uh-huh. So we had to come in there and take all that out. We put new flooring in there, painted all the walls you know, just basically brought it from a, a F property <laughs> to probably a, a C or B at that, at, at that time. So we did a full gut job on that property and not really knowing the value of it and what was going on. I mean, we were thinking, okay, maybe we'll try to, I had some connections with the state. So we were like, okay, maybe we'll go to the state and see if they want to just, you know, rent out the whole building or go to some other government agencies it had a tenant in there. We realized the tenant wasn't paying rent. He was just standing there to keep it for no one would rob the building or take whatever was in there out. So he, he just stayed there. And uh, we ended up sell, telling him, look, you know, you can stay, but your rent's about to go up or you're about to get rent. So uh, he ended up deciding to leave. Um, and then we, we redid the whole building and we took, I think it was maybe 15 units and turned it to 22 units. And we leased each unit out. To this day, I mean, I can't, I actually, I have a unit over there now that's vacant. And the way that we market is a little different than the average agents. I have probably, I would say about 150 people looking to get in this one unit. And so we've done a great job of just kind of taking advantage of social media and other avenues to get tenants in there. But, you know, we just go at it a different way. Our properties are all listed on LoopNet, CoStar, and all the big name places, but we get maybe one tenant from there. 99% of our tenants come from an uh, alternate uh, marketing plan, so, yeah. or my alternate marketing plan. So, but that's, that's how we do them. I mean, we, you know, just basically take them from, from nothing and then make them to something. And a big thing of that is the area and what can be done and what is needed. Now, one thing about that building, I did a radius search and there wasn't a lot of office buildings in the area that offered private restrooms. Most of the other office buildings, they're in a big building and then every all your clients had to go to the same restroom. They had to leave your, your space and go to another restroom. And our building offered private restrooms. And once we knew that we had that, we knew we had a gold mine. And that building, I think it's worth about $2 million now. And I think we were all in for around three, three something. Um, then we re- refinanced it, took the money and did something else. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that an incredible story? So, and, and again, to everyone on the line, uh, if you guys have questions or comments or anything else, uh, you know, raise your hand, let us know. Uh, we want to entertain your thoughts and your comments, because really this is for, for you guys. Uh, me and Willie talk all the time, so we don't we don't need to have a private conversation. <laughs> so, 
you know, anything that you want to bring out or ask about, I'll let us know. <clears throat> but I think this was an exceptional opportunity because as you mentioned, Willie, we went from a, a situation where there was a building that had a was purchased for, for 14 grand by the original owner. She paid about 150 for it, put about 300 in it total, uh, including the acquisition. And now you're looking at a property worth about $2 million. Um, you know, how's that for return on, on investment? I mean, it's incredible. And just the, the way it was done in the area it was done, and I think is just extremely impressive from that standpoint. And Jerry, uh, thank you for participating. Uh, what's on your mind today? Thanks. Um, so my question to Willie, good morning, Willie. So gosh, I actually have several questions, but I'm going to try and, you know, like not rapid fire the magic. One of the first ones, did you anticipate that particular client need in your design or was the place already kind of sort of structured that way and you saw the opportunity to have that be a feature that was marketable? What I normally do is, uh, and, and for this client, yeah, the, the idea, I, it wasn't there up, up front. You know, we, we did come, we kind of stumbled on some of, this, some of this stuff. So the idea was not, definitely was not there up front. But we realized based on demand, what could be done. And we, and we were going to try different, like I said, we were going to try different things to get this thing done and rent it and, and produce income. And that was just the first thing that we tried, and it, it just kept working. That first one, we definitely didn't know exactly what was going to work. We had different options, and that first option just kind of worked out as itself. Okay. So that leads right into my second question. Because of where we are in this pandemic, not just in the middle of it, but having uh, having no idea where the end of it is. There's a, there's several factors. One, you said they got about 150 people clamoring for this one particular space um, because yes, people are you know have been working from home and are really now trying to get out of their home. So you know that does seem like it would be um, a very attractive feature that they can work work their businesses, etc., uh, and then have a somewhat a safe space for their clients to come and have facilities available. Do you see that being a marketable model going forward because we are, you know, where we are in COVID? Yeah, the type of clients that we look for at clients, I say clients, we really call them tenants. They they are affected and everyone has been affected by COVID, but we have the advantage of, we'll take a bigger company that may be in a, a larger space and needs a downsize and they'll come to our space. Mm. Um, so COVID itself has almost amplified our business uh, because one, one, we're getting those clients who want to downsize. And then two, like you said, you got people at home, they want to get out of their house. They, they have a brand new business. They're just trying to try something out. You know, when we market, we go online and we, uh, we market. I always market to people and I'm like, look, get out to basement, come here. You know, you could pay two, maybe $300 for a space and it gets everything out your basement. Your husband don't want you in there. Your wife don't want you in there. So, you know, or your garage or wherever you're running your business out of. So right now we still have a lot of demand for our, for our spaces, even with COVID. And I think it's even going to get better because, you know, right now there's a lot of buildings, especially downtown and some of these suburb, area, suburb areas um, that are losing tenants. And these guys can't pay that mortgage if they lose two or three tenants. And you see a lot of them going to auction right now. 
And so eventually, if they don't sell an auction, they do go in some type of foreclosed position, I'm going to have my buyers in position to scoop them up. We look for square footage. That's what we want. We want anything above 10,000 square feet. And I can take a, uh, I had a client uh, last week, we were looking at 8,000 square feet. I'm sorry, 18,000 square feet. And we carved out, or I carved out 72 spaces. Mm. If I can get 72 people to pay me $500 a month, I've, I produce something for that client. All right, Willie, I do have more questions, but I would love to have an offline conversation with you uh, to see how we could continue to talk about this. Oh, no problem, no problem. All right, appreciate that. We've still got a little bit more time. So, Jerry, I'll take a few other calls and then just kind of circle around. One thing I wanted to ask you, Willie, while this is on fresh on this uh, conversation that you just had with him, Jerry, why do you think this particular model is working better than your typical executive suite model? You know, you look at HQ, it's kind of, in trouble right now. We work, we all know, ran into a lot of trouble. Why is this working so differently than what we see out in the marketplace? Well, uh, we're, we're a little different than we work and some of those other models. That is technically shared type space. In our model, you get shared space, but some private space. So I had the client, he's like, well, what's the difference between strip mall and what you guys are doing? And I said, look, you know, if you had an attorney, they had a client come in for a closing, do you want to go you want your client to come into a strip mall and they got to go through a door. They got to walk down a whole bunch of hallways and look at a bunch of open businesses. Or do you want to go to an office complex? And he said, office complex. So I said, well, then, then your client will come to us because our prices will be the same as something of a strip mall versus an office in Buckhead. So if you can run your business out of an office, you will come to me because it's a lot cheaper on your overhead costs. And you can do the same thing where I'm at, as you can do in Brook, Brookhaven, Buckhead, or wherever you want to be at, at a higher price. So we get clients, we get a lot of clients like that. We get a lot of uh, like auto brokers uh, or construction clients, construction companies. Sometimes these guys just need an address and they want to come in there maybe once you know, a month. I have a client uh, this guy's been ten- renting from us for three years. I don't think he's ever been in the... I know he hasn't been in the unit because I've never given him a key to the unit. <laughs> he he pay, pay every month. He just needs an address. And I know because he, he don't have a key to the unit. Uh, but he pays every month. And, you know, we keep taking the money. Um, so we ha- we get those clients too. And then we get, you know, again, the, the people that are trying to start out something new. And we get a lot of those. So, you know, I, again, our demand is, is still high. And, you know, we, we offer an office set up at a cheaper price. I say our intake process is easier. We do have an application you have to fill out. Um, but we don't make people go through as many hoops, uh, especially in a Roosevelt location, because, you know, we pick who we want to put in there. And if they don't work out, that's fine. We just tell them to leave. And I got another hundred people waiting to get your spot as soon as you leave. So we, we've been able to do that basically uh, with the setup we have. Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds good. And we, we've seen that happen. Um, Uriah, you had a question. You mind unmuting yourself and asking your question directly? So you may mention to one metric and that's square footage, but I'm curious to know what other benchmarks are, what other metrics that you look at when you're assessing a property like a duplex or triplex or even just a, a commercial property 
Um, what are some of the benchmarks and or financial metrics that you try to meet dependent, you know, to determine whether to go, 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 you know, green light or red light with a project? So for office and the type of offices that we're doing, one of the first things that I look at is the area that that property sits in and not really for the office itself, but for the tenants. I look at this thing, it's, it's, it's a big component. So I'm looking at, all right, I need to get 100 X amount of tenants or type of tenants in this, in this property. Can they sell their business to people around that area? And so I'm looking at the area, how much does, you know, homes and area costs, what are people making in the area? And at, and then I determine, okay, based on that, I know what type of tenant I need for that building, for that area. And then I try to figure out, okay, how many tenants are out there in that area looking for these type of clients that are in that area? And that's, that's something that we look at very hard to determine whether or not this model would work in certain areas. Some areas it works well in. Some areas it may not work well in. Um, the price just may be too high for us to get in there and make make enough money. Um, and then once we look at that, then yeah, we 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 you know dribble it down to exactly how much square footage is in the building and how much space can we curate by the square footage and how much money can we charge per space based on that square footage. But the area is very important. Anytime I ever go into a location, because I have clients that they send me buildings all the time. And I'd say, well, you know, it's good, but I can't do nothing with that building. Or if, if it's not enough space, I say, I can't, you know, I need, I, that's a good area, but I need 20,000 square feet to make that work. My prices can't be the same as, you know, normal office spaces in the area. Um, and now I'm in competition with those guys. And I don't want to be in competition with those guys because technically I don't want their clients. I want that client right below them. And so I have to make sure I can grab that client in that space, in that area. Uriah, did that take care of you? Yeah, absolutely. I guess one more question to that is, how do you determine what amount of improvement, how far you should go along with adding improvements to the property so that you can, you know, essentially charge a certain rent or a certain amount per square footage? Yeah, now that that's really experience, and you know I've just been doing it a while, so I can know what a building needs uh, just by taking a look at it. You know, it, you just have to look at the building. I can't that that comes with experience, really, to determine okay, this building's gonna need a hundred grand versus this building's gonna need you know three hundred grand, or you know what does this building need? And again, that's based off the building, the square footage, and what's going on. If you go in a building and it's there's nothing there, then you know you're gonna be pretty much building up a whole brand new building. So now you have to associate that cost into your uh, your diagram to make sure it works. And then some buildings I go in and just need carpet and paint. I can get that done and that may not help, may not hurt me that much, but that's a good question. You do have to understand what is needed to get this building back to par. And that's what I tell my clients. This is what we're going to need to do to get this building back to par. Because in a lot of these cases, you have to hold these these loans, these mortgages, um, until you get that building back up to par. Um, this doesn't work if you can't hold that mortgage. So, if you, you know, if you need to understand, it's okay, it needs this amount of money, you know, how much you're going to get from Joel, and how fast you can get that money and get it done. You have to have your team together. 
Every, everybody has to be on the same page and ready to go on day one because I need that building ready to go so I can get people in there. It's going to take me about two months to get my system rolling on any building. It's not going to be instant. It's going to take about two months, but I can lease out about 50,000 square feet in about eight months, which is a record in Atlanta. Well, I probably a record in the United States, but if I have the right building in the right place, I can get it leased out, but it has to be ready to go. I can't lease stuff and you got, you know, you still need to fix the electrical in the building, the plumbing don't work, the heat didn't work. Cause I don't want these tenants calling me after they moved in, after they just paid me a bunch of money saying they don't have any heat for their, uh, their, you know, washer and dryer, whatever they're putting in there. So you need to know how much it's going to cost to get back, get it back to par so I can make it work. Got it. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, since we're talking about cost, uh, Kwame, you have a um, question also. Uh, you want to mute yourself and ask? So thank you guys so much for doing this. It's um, exciting to hear from you guys, um, to hear from entrepreneurs who are really making it work and being successful. My question is related to the finance side, because I often find that when you're looking at deals and talking about deals, that doesn't get talked about extensively, because I know that it's different for people of color, and we really have to think it through and have those resources available from the get-go. So can you talk about those and walk us through a deal from the financial side or from the financing side? Yeah, sure. I, I guess that's going to fall in my bucket, Willie. So, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll take care of that. So, you know, that, that's one reason why we did this call. And if you remember uh, from the very beginning, we started off by saying it's one thing to see somebody buy this huge skyscraper uh, downtown, but it's a whole other thing to figure out how to got there, right? And so as we go through this progression, you, you see the steps that one of our clients actually took to get to that point because you do need to have money. Right. You do need to have decent credit. You do need to have these things. So we're not going to act like somebody just rolled out of bed and, and all of a sudden they, they have a multi-million dollar portfolio of real estate. It doesn't really happen that way. So the reality of it is, you know, in this particular case with this client, I thought it was a good case study because she started off buying single family properties. And as Willie mentioned, she flipped some. She she doesn't really like to sell anything. So, you know, she, she holds on to most of the stuff. But she was able to do that. And the last deal that we did was we haven't even talked about yet. Um, she leveraged one of those properties in order to pull the equity out to use it as a down payment on the property that she purchased. All right. And we'll get to that property uh, in, in a minute. And so it's a matter of building yourself up. Uh, you will need some money uh, in order to get things done. But oftentimes it might be starting off with a single family property just so you can kind of get in and get your feet wet. There's 100% financing on single family properties. And you know, I'll be the first to say it's a small funnel to get through, but it is available. Um, and then you also always have your private money situations. You may have to partner with someone initially in order to uh, get a deal done. But deals are getting done, and there are ways to get them done. You might also have a cooperative seller. We've seen a lot of situations where a seller will say, all right, I'll hold the note, or you don't have to pay me all my equity. We're doing a deal right now that's 604 units uh, in East Atlanta. Actually, it's in DeKalb County. That particular development there, the, the seller is, is the, the note is assumable on it. So the buyer is walking in, taking that over, and he's coming to us for equity as opposed to debt on that particular transaction. So all these things happen. But just to kind of go back through this again, real quick, like Willie was talking about, she started off with single family. She leveraged that up to uh, commercial. 
And her first property was $140,000. That's cheaper than most single family homes, right? So, and, and Willie mentioned a minute ago about being able to carry that note. Well, what's the note on a $140,000 property? It ain't that much, right? So if you're able to kind of leverage yourself up, then you can afford the note to kind of get in the game. You see what I mean? And then at that point, you're, you're getting the financing. We financed the rehab in that particular property. And, you know, a little uh, shuffling went on there. And, and here we go. We have a $2 million property that was purchased for one fourth, right? So, you know, that, that's kind of how these deals happen. And again, that's kind of why we use this example, because it started off with such small numbers and it's grown to something substantial. So did that help out at all? Yeah, I appreciate it. That, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. All right, sounds good. Um, let's see, and Jerry, you have your hand back up. What's going on? Yeah, Joel, sorry. My wheels are just like spinning and turning. I'm like, wow, okay. So, so Willie, you were saying that you had, uh, you know, like 150 people clamoring for that space. You've got a successful model that you've already built. Is the increase of interest due to COVID or was that before COVID? And because there have been so many that have lost their jobs, do you see an increase of people switching over to, okay, well, I don't know what this economy is going to do, job market, et cetera, et cetera. I've got this business idea I want to start, or I've got this business that I had started that I want to expand uh, because it's going to be more of a, you know, a stabilizer for me. Uh, is that driven the increase in interest? And you talked about location. So with people, you know, having these precarious situations about homes and, you know, the country facing a lot of foreclosures, not just in commercial, but residential, how is that residential pricing impact impact how you are looking for location? Okay. That's a lot of questions. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Like I said, I had a lot of questions. Where you want to start, I can repeat whatever you want to read. No, no, I, I think you were talking, you asked a question about COVID itself. And again, I think I explained earlier, COVID, it has really helped us. So uh, we haven't really seen a downturn from it. We had, we did have clients that had to leave because of COVID, but because of the demand and again, the type of clients that we're going after, you know, it just really hasn't had that big of an effect on our business. Because, you know, I'm not leasing out 50,000 or 30,000 square feet to Coca-Cola, you know, because Coca-Cola don't need that much square footage. I'm leasing out to Bill and Ted's, you know, carpenter shop who just may need a couple hundred square feet to put a lady in the computer there. So, you know, it's just a different type of clientele. And you spoke, you talked about 150, it's actually 155, because I got five people that call me or text me while I'm on this uh, Zoom meeting. So um, it actually has gone up since I've been on this Zoom meeting of people that are looking to get into uh, this, this, this location. Now, this location is good real estate. I mean, I will say that. I'm not going to sit here and say you can do this in every every market in every place. This property was in a good location. It wasn't good at the time that we bought it, but you know, you know, real estate changes all the time. You know, I live in East Atlanta, and man, this thing has changed tremendously from when I uh, years ago for for what it is now. And look what happened in the West End. I mean, I see some real estate agents on the on the line here. You guys know what's going on in the market. I mean, the real estate market itself for residential is still pretty strong. Um, so that's always good. 
um, but for our clients, it's not necessarily the type of people that are there. It's just one, it's the number of people that are out there. Because remember, I, I can put my building in the middle of, you know, the average income is $10,000. I just need tenants that want to cater to people who make $10,000. So it's not, it's not really the amount of money that they're making. It's really the amount of people. I want a building slap dab in the middle of a neighborhood of 10,000 residents. That's what I want because my tenants cater to those residents and, you know, they can easily get those residents. They can put a sign out there. Those residents will come and, and, and spend money in their business. And when they spend money in their business, they pay me rent. So location is definitely important and pretty much the metro area is pretty good for a certain type of building and a certain cost. And I just have to, you know, examine the building to determine whether or not it's going to work. Um, hey, um, well, let's let's do this if, if you don't mind. Um, and Jerry, I know you got a, a bunch of other questions. And Monica, I see you got your hand raised. We're down to nine minutes, so I definitely want to bring up because we didn't even talk about the granddaddy of, of this this yet. No, we haven't even got to it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's let, let's just jump to that. And Jerry, if you don't mind, I know you can forgive me. Let's talk about that real quick in the time we have left, and we may have to bring you back for another session, really. But let's talk about, so we went from, from Roosevelt, uh, we, well, we went from single family, we went to, well, we went to the, the Glendale property, that was the over there in Decatur, right. uh, then we went to Roosevelt, and then we bounced to this property, the granddaddy, that was sitting vacant for, primarily vacant for a very long time. Right. They had this thing listed with one of the major, major real estate companies. They couldn't get nobody in there forever because they were trying to lease all the space, hopefully the one tenant. And walk us through that, that story as, as to how that, that went down, how many square footage and a square feet and everything else related to that. You know, after we did Roosevelt, our heads were big. I mean, we thought we could change the world because one, I don't even know if I can show y'all on this. Let me see if I can show you. Uh, And I had to explain this to a couple lenders like, dude, I got people calling me every second for space. So the demand is there. Uh, You can't even see this. So this is right here. This is these are people looking for space. Every time you see that little dot, somebody asking me for space. I can keep doing this all day long and it'll keep. Well, you know, if my phone works, we have so many people and this was off one building. So at this time, we thought our heads, I mean, we thought, you know, the world couldn't stop us. So we went out and looked for another building, but we ended up getting two buildings. And it was a total of, they got both of them, maybe 60,000 square feet in one area where these buildings were just sitting and nobody was doing anything in the area. People were just going into foreclosures or just letting the buildings just, just go away. So we ended up trying to get two of them. The other one was in a short sale and we couldn't make a deal with the bank, but we ended up finding this one building and it was, it's 26,000 square feet. It was three buildings and it had two tenants in there who paid whenever they felt like paying. You know, I trust me, it was a, it, it was interesting to get to meet them. So um, but they had been there for like 10, 15 years. So they had just got to the point where they paid whenever they wanted to pay. So we went in this building and our first thought was, okay, we're going to flip this thing and, and, and kick all these folks out or these two tenants out 
And, you know, dude is building the way we do the building. Um, now, this building was not in the worst condition, but it was a lot of square footage. Yeah, matter of fact, it was three buildings. So it was a lot of square footage to work with. So we we went in there, purchased the building. It took us a while to bring it down, but we got everything going, the finance. And I think we paid 500, 550, Joe, was it 550? Yeah, something in that range. Right? Yeah, something like that. Um, again, I don't get too bogged down in the numbers. So it's 550. And based off what we did in, uh, in that Roosevelt building and off the square footage in the area, I already projected I can turn this a $3 million building easily. So we went in there, we did the work, we restored the entire, uh, it was two buildings, we restored two of them. And the other one we left with the way it was. And, and again, the building wasn't in the worst condition. So it just really needs some paint carpet and somebody to come in there and clean out the cobwebs. And then we went in there and, you know, and, and we went in there and we looked at each space. And then, you know, based, based off the space in the market, we determined a, a price range for each space. So in there, we got about maybe 10 different price ranges. And they start out at $175 a month for rent. And they go up to $2,000 a month in rent. And so we go through East Space and, you know, well, we I basically go through East Space and determine how much money I can get off East Space. And once I get those numbers together, I determine a total after repair, after uh, lease up value of that building. And that's the numbers that we based off, you know, our sales price and everything. But we go in there, we take a look at it. We, we cut it down. We figure out what we need to put a wall, take a wall out. Um, we look at our AC systems, make sure we're running good and make sure the county don't hit us with any space violations. And, you know, we, we, we got it up. Uh, it took, it took us maybe two and a half months to do the renovations. Cause at this time we got our own team. My team does what we want them to do so we can get them in there pretty quickly and get things done. And then we re-rented this thing. And I think it took me, Joe, remind me, I think it took me seven months to get this thing about 90%. And then once we got, once you get over 75%, you look decent to a lender. And then anything over there, you look gravy. So once we got to 97%, we shot the loan out and refinanced it, pulled the money out. But, you know, it's the same model, same thing. And just like I was showing you on my phone, you know, if you go on my Facebook page, you see it. You know, this is what I do and, and, and use Facebook, some other avenues to get it done. But this is pretty much what we do. Um, and this was a big boy. I mean, it's 26,000 square feet. So I cut it down. And now we have, I think, 56 tenants in there now. So I get 56 phone calls each month saying something is this or something is that. But, you know, we have a uh, we use uh, Yardy. Uh, I'm sure most apartment complexes, if you work for one of those, you know what your audience is. We use that software to help us with the tenants, keep everything coordinated. I write all the leases. I sign all the leases. It's really, right now, it's automatic. It's automatic. It's gravy. You know, I would just say we're probably around sixty, seventy thousand 70000 a month on a give or take on a, on a month. Do they know how to do capitalizations and all that? We went into that last week. So, um, oh, okay. you know, but we might do another class on it. I was uh, talking about multifamily and one of my clients who had bought a 300 some odd unit complex was on the line with us uh, from New York, which was pretty exciting. Okay. Okay. We need to explain cap rates, how to determine the 
the good price and the bad price, all that good stuff. But so let uh, me let me just um just kind of this is how I do it in my head. Okay. So if I can get let's say ten thousand dollars a month, I just take that ten thousand multiply it times twelve, and that's you know one hundred and twenty grand. And then normally I take out about 30 to 40% out of for expenses and that's taxes, insurance, and whatever make uh, miscellaneous expenses that may come up. So, I mean, based off that 120, let's say you take out 40, you down to 80. And then you look at the area and you attach the rate to that 80. Now, some of these areas, like right now, I mean, Atlanta's pretty hot. So you can probably get around 8%, but let's just say 10, just because I don't want to do bath. So if you take that that eighty thousand and put a ten percent multiple to it, you're looking at an eight hundred thousand dollar building. Because if you sell that to an investor, you're saying, "Hey, Mister Investor, if you give me eight hundred thousand, I'm gonna make you ten percent on your money each year." So that's 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 how we do things. That's how I do it, pretty much in the head. Now I do actually put it on paper and get the exact numbers. But when I'm out there looking for a building, that's what I'm looking to do. I'm counting spaces. I'm adding money up. I'm seeing what I can get at the end. Now, that is just based off of, of a cap rate. There's also land costs or location costs, I mean, uh, that you can add to buildings. So if you take that same building and put it in Buckhead, you also going to add an extra 100000 or two hundred just because it's in Buckhead. But, you know, that's generally how we look at a building. And that's how I determine, okay, based on that, it's worth X amount of dollars. And based on that, it's a, it's a good deal. It's not a good deal. So, yeah, we're, we're at, um, we lost one of our big tenants in Jonesboro. So we're just trying to fill up that space. This lady got hit, like COVID, like I told you, some people do get affected by COVID. But once I get that uh, leased up, I'll be at 100%. And we'll be on to the next one. Yeah. So, so think about that as we kind of summarize today's call. You know, actually, let me do this because we're, we're over time. Monica, if you don't mind, uh, we'll bring Willie back and, you know, maybe we could talk offline, but I want to respect everybody's time and we've kind of kept this call to an hour. That's kind of been our commitment to you, so we want to do that. But friends, just, just think about this, how our client here that we're describing has gone from simple single family rental properties to multi-family, multi which is, you know, a block of certain uh, duplexes and triplexes. Went from that to a office building for 140 something grand. Went from that to a larger office building for 500 thousand, and yet and still that building now that 500 thousand dollar one is probably easily worth maybe four million, three and some change somewhere in that range. Uh, we've got the other one that's worth probably about two. Um, so created a tremendous portfolio, and look how much has been invested: about 550 and 150 thousand on the other one. I mean, those numbers are incredible when you think about it in totality. So this is being done. It can be done. You can do it. And so, um, you know, we're not going to make this sound like a game show, but uh, we have the talent and we have the people here right here in Atlanta that are getting it done. So uh, as you have more calls and more questions and other things, we'll certainly be uh, open to entertain those. But uh, to everyone that joined today, thank you so much for being on Mornings with Joel. And uh, we certainly appreciate you joining this podcast. Thank you very much for that. You've been listening to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Please check back weekly to hear our upcoming guests.